Welcome to the Weekly Stupid. I am the editor in charge. I hope you enjoyed having Ed guest host last week. I was a little under the weather and thought, eh, he can do it. If you like what you hear, check out more at theweeklystupid.com. We have content on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Welcome back to the Weekly Stupid Podcast. This is episode 13. We offer a look at life not considered by what you might consider normal. If you are looking for truth, justice, and the American way, then you are where you should be. Please leave a review and give us a rating on whatever podcast service you're using. In this podcast, I will go over what our staff is currently working on, preview this week's articles, answer some submitted questions, and for the functionally illiterate, I'm going to read last week's articles. I don't believe Sarah Jean has the latest sightings up yet, but when they appear, they'll be at Flutterbird.org. Ed is busy working on his policies. He revised his taxation policy. You can read it in the article. He'll be updating his website soon. His website is allstud.net. The good doctor is editing his videos for the trolley egg results. The first video is up at the Fetal Institute. After he gets a few more results, he's going to create a PDF file that you'll be able to download and view. The video is also available at the Weekly Stupid YouTube channel. In this week's article, we made a change to the format. Instead of giving the authors an assignment, I just let them give some updates on projects they're working on. I've been wondering if our audience has any interest in their special projects. You can head over to theweeklystupid.com, use our contact page, and let us know if you like them or not. Sarah Jean goes into her unnatural fascination of the elusive Flutterbird. While Ed concentrates on his political aspiration, Dr. Beekman focuses on the issues with the trolley sourbite egg. I personally am following the Good Doctors Project with fascination. Head on over to theweeklystupid.com and read the articles in full. We had three questions, all Flutterbird related this week. The first viewer asked if Sarah had ever held a Flutterbird. And no, at this point she has not seen one up close, she's just seen the photos submitted. She talks about holding one all the time, though. Our next question was wondering if the Flutterbird was friendly. We imagine they are, but if you read the article, you'll find out that they are more intelligent than people think, and avoiding humans is probably a sign of their intelligence. The final question was asked, are they edible? (laughs) I didn't let this one get to Sarah Jean. Some retribution would have been paid if she had found out the author of that one. This week's articles are going to focus on pink lemonade. I got some disturbing news this weekend about pink lemonade, and so I decided, well, let's just do some articles on it. I've always wondered about pink lemonade. Why does it exist? I think I've always wondered because I was subjected to it so much as a kid. When I'd want to drink the yellow kind, my family would always say, no, you must drink the pink kind. I never really knew why, but this past weekend, I found out. I usually avoid my crazy Aunt Fanny, but this year I was stuck for three hours sitting across from her. I had no idea that old girl could eat that much potato salad. And the way she ate it, I tried not to look. I heard everything from the Great Teaspoon Conspiracy, which I've heard over and over again, to the teddy bear heist of 1913. That one was kind of new. Not sure if it was accurate or not, but it was new. But then she mentioned pink lemonade. I'll admit I was interested in this one. For a little bit of history... I want the listeners to know that my family came to America back in 1698. They were following their dreams of being rock candy miners. But before they could own their own mine, they had to work as laborers, you know, to save up some money and then buy the mine. My ancestors had to work long shifts, 
and they were only allowed to drink lemonade and eat a small portion of the rock candy that they mined. One day, great-great-great-great-grandmammy Bertha accidentally cut her finger while making great-great-great-great-grandpappy Virgil's bottle of lemonade. She offered to make him another bottle, but Virgil said they were too darn poor and left with the bottle. While working in the mines that night, G to the fifth, that's what we affectionately called Virgil, noticed that it was easier to pick out his bottle with the slightly pink coloring from Big Bertha's blood. The yellow in the standard lemonade tends to blend in with the rock candy walls. The other workers noticed a positive change in color and offered to purchase what old Five Cent Virgil had invented. We also referred to him as Five Cent because he always wanted to be a rapper. While searching for the better additive, Big Bertha was almost drained empty. It would be a shame if we lost her. My great-great-great-grandmother hadn't been born yet. Once they discovered that pomegranate juice would work just as well, he was all set to keep bodacious Bertha healthy, wealthy, and wise. Virgil, a.k.a. Lemonade Muffin, went on to purchase three rock candy mines of his own. Must have made quite a bit of money off that pink lemonade. The strange part is he ended up selling the mines when the workers unionized. Then, old Virgil bought some stock in a candy cigarette factory. This is the part of the story that I choose to forget. I just, I just picture those poor little kids running around, stealing to pay for their addiction. This is not one of my family's proudest moments. Excuse me while I, while I gather myself back together. Whew, I was a little worried about telling Ed about the story. I was worried that it might bother him a bit. He's usually a very self-confident and hunky man. He's been making the Malloy special for years. Pink lemonade mixed with champagne has been his go-to drink. The ladies love it, and holding something pink he thinks makes him look like a sensitive guy. Now that he knows there's a little bit of blood in it, even though I told him there really isn't any more, he doesn't know if he can drink it anymore. He's going to do some deep thinking, maybe change his drink. He's thinking of converting to a yellow drink. He wants to leave it up to his admirers. Ladies, what do you think? Wine juice and champagne? He wants you to submit any solutions you might have to his email of hunkyman at allstud.net. And for the ladies, don't forget that photo. He's not sure why I'm upset about the candy cigarettes. Back in the olden days, they didn't have the same medical information we do now. They probably went through two or three packs a day down in the mines. It only seems logical that if the owners saw the miners using the cigarettes that they would try to capitalize. Selling directly to the miners, they were able to make a profit on both the rock candy and the candy cigarettes. They also had to recoup some of the cost of the rock candy eaten by the workers. Ed was surprised that the owners of the mine let the workers eat some of the rock candy. Plus, the miners were probably more productive when consuming cigarettes. He knows that the government used to provide cigarettes to the army not that many years ago. There was a belief back then that cigarettes would clear your lungs. The government is made up of well-meaning people that usually end up doing the opposite of what they intend. The only difference is the editor's family wasn't able to force anyone with guns. Ed wants to remind you that the only good government is a limited government. Of course, he also wants to say that this might have not been the best comparison. The government was probably trying to experiment on the GIs, attempting to make super soldiers, or worse, hunky man soldiers. He wants you to know that he is the one and only hunky man, and kids should just say no to candy cigarettes. There is no way that you kids can handle the level of hunkiness that Ed exudes. Sarah Jean has never been a fan of pink lemonade. She wants you to know that she can be as girly as anyone, but pink drinks have never been her thing. It's like green ketchup. 
Who in their right mind would eat green ketchup? I have to agree with Sarah Jean on that one. Pink shoes, maybe, but pink lemonade, you can keep it. She's hoping that people did not gloss over the rock candy portion of the article. I myself was wondering that. Back on April 11th, we published a set of articles about dentists, which included rock candy. In her article, she posted quite a bit about support of rock candy miners. She's a little disappointed in me. She's surprised that I come from a line of rock candy mine owners. Treatment of these poor miners has been well documented. I explained to Sarah Jean that my family was miners that turned into owners, so they were probably more compassionate than others. She still wants to emphasize that we need to do something about the conditions of rock candy mines. But we also have to remember that this is America, and if miners want their candy cigarettes, then she says, let them have them. Until we can decide how they should live, eat, and think, we need to let them have the small things that make them think they are free. Remember, folks, Sarah thinks the only good government is a large and intrusive one. Of course, the good doctor, he took more of a scientific approach to this storyline. He had never really thought about pink lemonade. He was wondering, could he grow a pink lemon? Could he make purple lemonade? He's going to have to add this to his list of things to evaluate. But for right now, he's going to keep working on his trolley egg evaluations. He says he has his first set of data points. And as I said earlier, he has a video now on the Weekly Stupid YouTube channel and also at his fetal institute, which you can get to by going to coolfetus.com. If you do watch the videos, he wants you to know that he's added a scale factor so the test will better display the drastic difference in pressure required to crack the older trolley eggs versus the newer trolley eggs. He also wants you guys to know that the readings are in flutters. Flutters are an old Irish force measurement. A single flutter is equal to the amount of pressure a hummingbird makes with a single flap of its wings. He explained this to me and I found it like a freak of nature that all hummingbirds exert the same pressure no matter their age or size. Just crazy, wasn't it? He's also going to put up a PDF on his website after he collects some more data. If you head over to theweeklystupid.com and read the articles, you'll see that in Dr. Beekman's article, we've included some of the data that he's collected up to this point. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and consider telling your friends. Every time you tell a friend about The Weekly Stupid, a grain of rice melts on the sun. Also, consider leaving a review. Thank you, and as always, enjoy the stupid.